on digital radio across the UK, online and in your ears right now. Welcome to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 2 of Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack radio station. I am he, Jeff Lloyd, and you are the... I don't know why I've drifted into ye olde English there. Now, normally, Union Jack spends the day playing the best of British music and comedy, from Blackadder to the Beatles, but every other Saturday they allow me to go bothering a famous British person. Now, here on Union Jack, we wouldn't do a standard show. You know us, we're a bit odd. So on Hometown Glory, famous faces take me on a trip down memory lane to their hometowns, surprisingly with the help of Google Maps. We've got no budget to actually go there, and Google Maps is very good. We're not sponsored by them. However, if Google would like to buy me, I am for sale. I'm delighted to say that Sky One is the new sponsor of Hometown Glory. It's right up our street. You know, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'll be particularly impressed, I think, with the skill in which I tied our sponsor into the message of our show there by using the phrase right up our street. Um, I genuinely couldn't be any more thrilled to have Sky One on board. They are, of course, the place for homegrown British comedy, drama and entertainment alongside the most popular shows from the United States. Stuff like The Week That Wasn't. Now, if you haven't seen this yet, you've got to give it a go. It is a brilliant idea and very funny. It's Britain's top impressionists redubbing footage of famous people to give a, a very different version of the week's news and they've got great people on it too Matt Ford who is not just one of our best political comedians but a brilliant mimic too and they've managed to reunite Alistair McGowan and Ronnie Ancona for the first time since the big impression so it really is some top-notch talent you can watch this and all of Sky One's other great shows by going to unionjack.co.uk where you can win Sky Q free for a year Last week, it was the delightful Mr. Phil Jupitus, and in a couple of weeks' time, it's the Sex Pistols' Glenn Matlock. This week, though, it's comedian, writer and all-round London geezer, Mark Steele. Swanley, Kent. One historical theory goes that the name comes from the Saxon swine, meaning pigs, and lee, meaning a clearing in the woods. Pretty inauspicious beginnings for a town that went on to become, well, actually, not that big of a deal, really. They opened a horticultural college here in 1887. Also, doctors in the 19th century used to like to send sick Londoners here to get away from the smog. And then in the 1980s, there was a nightclub here called Hickory's. In the 90s, they renamed it Deja Vu, and then they demolished it in 2011 to make way for a Premier Inn. Swanley's famous cultural exports are a bit thin on the ground, too. It gave the world 60s singer Crispian St. Peter's. And Mike Stock, the stock from Stock, Aitken and Waterman. But towering above them all is today's guest on Hometown Glory, Mark Steele. 
Mark's been a regular on radio and TV for more than 20 years. He's written five books. He's a respected political commentator and activist. And he's one of our most seasoned stand-up comics. And there was adverts. Ad- I've noticed adverts on the television selling things for the over-50s. Like special foam mattresses that could manage to, to just mellow their way around your decaying, soon-to-be decomposing arthritic bones. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and with the help of an iPad and Google Maps, I'm about to take Mark time-travelling to the streets where he grew up in Union Jack's hometown glory. Mark Steele, hello. Hello. Swanley, then. OK. This, this, is what we're this doing, Your hometown is Swanley. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to get a Swanley up on the, the screen. You moved there at 10 days old. Well, I was adopted. But it was an unconventional adoption in that you weren't put up for adoption in the, no, it was in the arranged, usual sense. <laughs> it was arranged. Um, well, I did a whole show about this called Who Do I Think I Am? I would not inflict upon anybody a story of my adoption if it was just a normal adoption. I think I, it's fair enough to say it was pretty extraordinary story. So I was brought up in this sort of very, very nondescript town of Swanley, which we will be discussing in a minute. And then but I knew I was adopted. I always knew I was adopted. And it had been arranged by my aunt... So I, I always knew I was adopted, but I can't remember being told. Have you got any sense of what age? That no, I always knew I was adopted. In fact, yeah. I, said, I said in the show that there was never one of them scenes, you know, where that you get in a play or in yeah. a soap opera, you know, where I was sat down on the settee with my mum and dad going, now then, Mark, we've got something very important to tell you because you were chosen, especially, yes, you were. You're not like the other boys and girls whose mummies and daddies have to keep them even if they hate the bastards. You were chosen. <laughs> Chosen. It was never that. So I just always knew I was adopted I mean, and grateful to my mum and dad for that. And then my aunt, who had been living in a flat in uh, West London, one day a woman came and moved in next door to her who was 19 and distraught and eventually she said, oh, she, she got chatting to me, aunt, oh, I've run away from home, I don't know what I'm going to do, I've had this, I'm, I'm pregnant. Uh, I mean, mum and dad don't even know I'm here. They're they're in a right state. And so my aunt said, well, my brother and his wife, they want to have kids. They can't have kids. So why don't um, we sort you out with that? And that was it. You know, that was in 1960. That's how it worked. Like, just getting a babe. I've got a spare, but it's like now if you had a spare <laughs> fridge. My mate Dave will take it off your hands. Because <laughs> <laughs> these days, the amount of hoops people have to jump through, but the, the other side of that is that as an adopted person, you get access to all your medical records and stuff like that. I suppose when you were growing up, you had no idea what you were predisposed well, I've to. I've never had no access to any of that. Yeah, me either. I, got a, I eventually got a transcript of the interview between the equivalent of social services from the time and my natural mother, who I never met and has now died, and I've never met her. And it starts off, the, the opening line is, the baby is a fine, bonny child. And I, I went, ooh. And then, of course, then eventually I thought, well, of course he's going to say that. It's not going to go, Jesus Christ, what a bloody ugly baby. I'm not surprised you gave that away, love. God almighty. I, so, so the only thing I knew about me natural father was that he was French. People say things like, oh, well, that explains why you like cheese. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but and he, it was all rubbish. He wasn't yeah. French. He was anything but French. So you're brought home 10 days old to Swanley. What is Swanley famous for? Jesus, wept. <laughs> 
in my capacity as someone who goes around the country doing things about towns, I yeah. always think you've got to like the place because I've got to go in front of a, a, an audience and say this place, whether it's Hull or whatever it is, I've got to be rude about this place. The only way I can do it is by knowing as much as I can about the place and really liking it. I've, and and that's not hard because everywhere you go, there are people who are passionate about the place, they love the place, there's all sorts of quirky characters and things they know that everybody knows and they find it funny that you don't know it, that there's, you know, or that there's Gavin the Goose or that there's a bloke up there who everybody, you know, runs around in pink fluorescent swimming trunks but doing something mad on a Wednesday. Everybody knows that and... And I genuinely love these places. The only place I have no affection for who I just go, <laughs> no, no, is Swanley. And it's not the people necessarily, although some of the people I don't care for, but it's a little town in Kent. It's got none of the magic of Kent. Kent's in the Garden of England. And, of course, that creates an image that yep. is just this great, big, beautiful rockery. Mu- but it isn't. It's a... Uh, it's a it's in a garden that's got a little bit of a vegetable patch and then an upturned pram and a wheel and a <laughs> and a sort of f- couple of ferrets that have sort of attacked a, and, and left yeah. a, a, a dead body somewhere. It's just because <laughs> Kent's like that. So what's Swanley? Is it a car on bricks at the back of the garden? Is it a shopping yeah, trolley? Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. And it's um, it was a place that built up in the sixties, really, and it's purpose was boredom there was nothing there and it's not like oh dear we're sorry there's no facilities that's its selling point do you know what's here nothing (laughs) so you don't have to go anywhere just sit indoors and that's and die and it's just (laughs) and it's just awful and even now 30 odd years after i left 35 years after I left, if ever I go back there, I'm staggered at how there is still nothing. There's no cinema, there's no theatre, there's no nothing. There's one pub actually in the confines of Swanley, probably 40,000 people now. One pub. The Lullinston, which I always say is literally suicide going in there. All these people who pay money to go to Switzerland, they're wasting their money. Just get a, <laughs> just get just get a one-way ticket to Swanley. I'm not from round here, that'll do it. I, <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a bloke called Mr McDonald who set up a table tennis club. He was obviously of the opinion, like, Kids round here have got nothing. And word went round the school. There's a table tennis club. It would be the equivalent of other people going, oh, there's a new jazz funk place down the road, you know, in the 60s. There's a reggae club. There's a new, there's a disco thing going on. There's a there's a thing where you, you know, a fame school. A table tennis club. Oh, we've never known such cosmopolitan, <laughs> extraordinary, such facilities. It's coming to Swanley. It'd be like, oh, they, they're abolishing Cape Canaveral and they're making it, <laughs> rockets are going to fire off from Swanley. It was that level of excitement. And everyone went to the table tennis club. And of course, because I'm obsessive and sports obsessed, and especially, of course, I just, I went there all the time and I wasn't going to be at me till I could beat everyone at table tennis. All of the winners of the Kent table tennis tournaments from sort of 1971 to 1984 were all from Swanley. <laughs> and it's all because this wonderful man, bless you, Mr McDonald, because I reckon you stopped about 100 kids from ending up in jail all their lives for petty crime. 
Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, bringing you the best comedy, drama and entertainment from the UK and US. We'll raise our teacups to that. In Swanley, the industry that's kept it going over years has been petty crime, just really nicking small amounts of rubbish. <laughs> People, I'll tell you what, you're going into petty crime, my son. <laughs> Your granddad was a petty criminal. His granddad was a petty criminal. <laughs> I'm not having you going off and uh, being a forklift truck driver <laughs> unless you're going to nick pallets at the end of the day <laughs> and sign off some dodgy deal, get a load of cheese down here and sell it up to one pub where they kill you if you're not from Swanley. What was the what pub called again? Uh, well, it's called the Lullingston. Briefly, they called it the Mulberry Bush in a sort of attempt to so take it to up get, yeah, 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 tourists going there. <laughs> the Mulberry Bush. We must go to Swanley. They've got a Mulberry Bush. Which you want to come in here? <laughs> you want a sandwich? You. What was the? Um, what was? What was your first address in Swanley? Ashton Beachley Lane. What age did you live there till? Uh, till I was 18, till I moved up to Oh, Crystal so Palace. that was the, your entire childhood, yeah, this, yeah. this one house. Mum, Dad, what do they do for a living? Dad was uh, the insurance man. The knocking on doors insurance man? Knocking on doors insurance man. And uh, I'd think, oh, Thursday's good. It's the day my dad's at home. So if I was off school or whatever, Dad, come and play, be a horse. I'm, I've got to write this thing. Yeah, yeah, come on. Ah, I'm working. And then my mum... Just worked at odd job. Now, this is a sign of a world that we don't know, isn't it? Because me mum would go and get a job when she needed a job for a few months or whatever. She was in the gig economy. Yeah, but it was a gig economy that was much easier to operate than now. So we lived at the bottom of Beachley Lane. At the very bottom, one door away, there was a little tiny factory that made parts for electric organs. And I remember she went round there, you know, uh, oh, hello, I live a couple of doors away and uh, I need a job. And they just took her in. And there was never sort of any worry about that. That was what was going to happen. And that's what you could do in the 60s. It was full employment and everywhere wanted work. So that created a confidence amongst working class people. You know, I always think of the on the buses, for example, right, much maligned, I still have an affection for it, but on the buses, they all ran rings around the inspector, didn't they? Famous. Oh, he really hated Butler. Butler. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, you Butler. Right. Of course he hated Butler, because they would just do what they wanted. Now, that would make no sense. There's no work now where you can run rings around the Right, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's not been the case for 30 years. But at that point, working class people, so my dad and everyone was like, yeah, we're getting a bit better off. They thought that was going to go on forever. You know, everything was about getting a little bit of money. You know, when you think what the people talk about the changes of the last 20 years, it's nothing compared to from 45 to 1970. I mean, in 1945, people come out of the war and you had tin baths and you, you'd just gone into a war, the other end of which people had no shoes and stuff. Not everyone, but lots of people. And this was an immense change. You know, now you've got washing machines and a telly. I mean, the change from then to now is that instead of having a telly with three channels, we've got a telly with a thousand channels. But it's having the telly is the big change. Right. Do you remember telly events from when you were a kid? Are you old enough to remember the moon landing? I am old enough to remember the moon landing, but it wasn't the biggest event in Swanley. The biggest event in Swanley on the telly that trumped the moon landing was that the Walker family from nearby Dartford got to the final of Ask the Family. 
<laughs> did they did they win the final? I don't think the they did. Right. Everyone stopped for that. Oh, they've won again. Oh. Did you ever spot them in the wild in Swanley, these people? <laughs> they were Dartford. They weren't even Swanley. They were nearby Dartford, which was the big city. That had a cinema and a place where you could buy Chinese food. Right. That was massive. That was like San Francisco. In our house, there was a there was a program called The Brothers a drama thing that used to come on on a Sunday night. It was about brothers that ran a business or something. Then one week, it turned out, someone in the office where my cousin worked had done a painting that was going to be used in the background in one scene. And the place stopped. I mean, the moon landing came a very poor third, actually, to that. Oh, my God, Ian's friend. Have you had me? Have I told you about, about Simon? No, who works in the office? His picture's going to be on the brothers. It's going to be on the brothers on Sunday. It's the filmed it, and it's going to be on this week. When's it? I don't know which bit. I don't. We sat and were, and then so there he is. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Hello there. We're Union Jack. First time listening to us. Welcome to the family. We play the best of British music. Best of British comedy. <laughs> Don't panic, you stupid little plonker. Don't mention the war. I have a cunning plan. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> and you lot get involved too. Tally ho, it's Union Jack. <laughs> anyway, back to the main event. Mr. Jeff Lloyd. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, bringing you homegrown British comedy. Just like this show, but with a bigger budget. Are your parents that age whereby pop music and rock music wasn't for them? Are they slightly too old no, for that? useless. Someone my age, so I was born in 1960, for my mum, she was way too old to have any sense of pop music being for her. The 60s didn't swing for well, her. Well, the 50s didn't swing for her. I mean, uh, Little Richard's 1954, 55, yeah. which I always think, never mind punk. I mean, that must have been the most dramatic. Oh, God, you see those guys on TV now, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, um, yeah. Little Richard. You see footage of those performances, and of course Elvis. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and you compare it, say, with the... Sex Pistols on Bill yeah. Grundy, and it's far more shocking. If you think about what went before and yeah. the change, yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It, it, yeah. Can you imagine being a kid Socially, that? Yeah. sexually, everything, absolutely staggering. It must have been utterly staggering. And I was, I was a big, you know, punk was a, a huge part of my life, but no, nothing compared to that. It, it must have been extraordinary. But my mum would have been 30. It completely passed her by. Uh, it, well, in fact, she'd have probably hated it. And... Everything from Little Richard up to Kendrick Lamar is just one big, rotten, loud, stupid noise. That's it, and there's no distinction between the two. I could play either of them. I could play Little Richard or Kendrick Lamar. Oh, what's this? <laughs> and um, no interest at all. So, and, when you were very, very young, not talking about teenage you as you got into punk, but very, very young, was music even part of your life at all? It was for me, and it's always been an obsession for me. And most things I look back on my life, I think, oh, Christ, what I was doing. But one of the few things I'm actually very proud of 
the only sort of thing, what's the first song that had an impact on you? I was about four when my boy Lollipop came out and I loved it. But now I think, oh, maybe there was something in there that I had a love of music. I mean, mum and dad had nothing, they had no books, no records, nothing. But dad did have this sort of Grundig tape recorder thing. Oh, anyone listening under the age of 112, you won't know what I'm on about. It was like a green, like a really, I mean, now if it was on Antiques Roadshow, I'd probably get a few, Bob. Like a cassette, but about 12 times bigger, yeah, I guess. an old reel-to-reel thing. An old reel-to-reel thing, like you would, might have seen in old films. And they had a few tapes. They were musicals. I don't know why on earth they must have just been given them or something. And I was so sort of desperate to listen to music and stuff that I actually played all this stuff there, the sound of music and carousel and things like Annie Get Your Gun. And I just sort of, it was something. You were destined for a life on the stage. Yeah, yeah. hearing that. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, but it's just... But that's all they had. And then I remember getting very angry because my dad, when my dad, my dad, he went out and bought, I don't know, some, I think he thought it was knocked off, but it wasn't a sort of record player and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, you don't even listen to music. And I, that was my world was just saving up. I would go out and work all week doing some stupid little job so I had enough money for a record. And you just, You've got a record player and they just play this James Last. Did, 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 did. I thought you're not even like, you know, and then, of course, I'd play. And then when punk happened, that was amazing. But even before that, you know, I'd be playing Bowie or whatever. And then uh, as soon as I put it on, bang on the bedroom door. Turn it, wreck it down! <laughs> You'll be deaf by the time you're 30. Turn it down! Down! So you turn it down a bit. <laughs> down! I said Down! What was your primary school? <laughs> uh, Downsview. Still there? Don't know. Well, let's have a look. What do you remember about going there? Do you remember your first day? Uh, oh, the first day was at Farningham Road School. Now, that definitely isn't there for a very swanly reason in that someone burnt it down. Right. But the um, uh, Farningham School, and I remember... Now, there is a teacher there, his name I won't remember. I was... I was oh, that ain't it, is it? Sorry, but we're looking at it. Somewhere oh, Jesus. Well, none of that was the there. None of that modern pretty. looking stuff. Pretty? That look was a pretty in a suburban way. You no, don't think? Maybe. That wasn't there when I was there. That's all new. Oh, yeah, that does look like it. Yeah, that little alley there, I think on the left. Yep. Just past that old house. On the left, there's the okay. school. One thing, finding a middle school is I remember three, I don't know how many kids put their hand up. I got a toilet, miss. We're four and five. Got a toilet, miss. And the teacher being angry. Because this was the way that schooling was done, wasn't it, in them days? Yeah, it was a prerequisite that you disliked children and wanted to discipline yeah, them. Yeah, I remember the teacher, right, that's it. No more of you. You should have gone at dinner time. What's the matter with you? None of you are going out to the toilet again. That's it. And then I, I remember thinking I need to go to the toilet and then the inevitable happened and then the kids put his hand up Miss, what is it? Mark's done a puddle and I've done a puddle One of the first routines that I did when I did stand-up was about teachers and then they go and they will go uh, Right, None of you are going to the toilet. Uh, you, why didn't you go at dinner time? What's the matter with you? You should have gone at dinner time. And I, in the routine, I'd say, uh, and I'd be sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know, 
I don't know because uh, you know you, you should know the answer because you're a teacher and I'm six. <laughs> but now I'm older, I look back and think the reason I didn't go at dinner time is because I didn't want to go at bloody dinner time yes. because having a piss isn't like going to the bank. You can't say I've got a busy day tomorrow. I'll sort it all out now. I'll have three sh- day because I'll be in a rush in the morning. Is it, miss, you stupid moron? I, that, <laughs> I, <laughs> Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, bringing you action-packed drama. We're ready. We've clenched everything. So was there still the cane? There was the slipper, Mr. Turton, who luckily I avoided Mr. Turton. Turton was a brute. He was the one with a reputation. He was the one with a reputation. The teachers would take it in turn to be the on duty for the dinner time. When Turton was on duty, no talking was allowed during dinner. None. So there's this great big hall. All these kids there sat there eating in silence, just this sort of nervous clang-clang of the knife on the plate, even that, you're trying to be quiet, just trying to be quiet, no one allowed to talk, and everyone got done at some point. One day it was my turn, I just knocked a coffee one of them plastic beakers, and it fell off the table, and I, as I knocked it, it sort of went, doom, on the floor, and everyone knew what's coming, and Turton came over, grabbed me by the neck, just dragged me to the side of the room, I had to stand with my hands up in the air like you see prisoners, you know. Guantanamo <clears throat> Bay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, if he'd have thought of an orange jumpsuit <laughs> and waterboarding, we'd have done it. Uh, and so we were stood up there like that, and then you lost your dinner, that's gone, and then you'd have to stand there for the whole of the dinner hour, which could be another 40, 45 minutes. Just stand there like that. That'll teach you to make a noise when you're eating. Somebody, the good old days before Ofsted reports. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? It's people think of those as the good old days. They're not the good old of days. Of education. So what, what were you into? What were you doing with your time when you weren't at school? Well, Swanley is so dire. So the table tennis club was a huge thing for me, really. And then when we could organise it, we played cricket. I remember once at school, I was about 12, and one of the odd kids come in and he heard me and a mate talking about cricket. And he actually said this, and this is a, this is a brilliant line if you just come straight out of it. That's a 12-year-old. He went, oh, no, talking about cricket again, Steel. He said, I bet your balls have got seams around them. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> he must have heard that somewhere, right? I don't know. It's a really good That's line. really good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your best mate? I had a few, really. There was a few of us. I'd make called Mick Buckingham, who was a lovely lad, and I, I bumped into him about five or six years ago, actually. And uh, and he, he was just the same, really, really nice, generous, lovely fella. Yeah, I did boxing. Yeah, so I'm amazing when I think of the things that sort of permeated through to Swanley. Then God, that must have been powerful, you know. In other words, like, if you were getting it in Swanley, I mean, that must yeah. have had a massive cultural well, effect. A, this is something that I've thought of. Right, is that. I remember in 1970, Muhammad Ali fought Joe Frazier. Everyone in the school talking about it. Everyone. For a week beforehand. And everybody loved Ali. 
everybody. And then I look back now and I think, how did he do that? How did this bloke do that? I mean, it's easy now to talk about the, the politics of it, which obviously, but we didn't know about Vietnam or anything like that. I had no idea. We, don't, we sort of vaguely knew we'd be put in jail, but, you know, most people in Swanley had been put in jail, so that didn't impress us. <laughs> it was just what... The other thing, we had an American... This was the one bit of cosmopolitanism. We had an American kid called Michael Wilding who came into the class. You know how difficult that must be to suddenly go into a class. And he must have been smart because he knew he had to impress people quickly. So, and this stays with me to this day. I can still, you know, and there must be a bunch of kids in my class who can do this, right? Right, I don't know how this is going to sound, right? I can do this because he taught everyone to do this. Oh, that is loud. It sounds like you're snapping your knuckles in half and it's really, and people go, Ugh! Wow. Yeah. This was his coping strategy. He thought, well, how he am just, I going to ingratiate went, oh, myself? Do, all these nine-year-olds, how do you do that? How do you do that? <laughs> Michael Wilding's done this thing with his, yeah, like, just get your finger like that. And, and of course, everyone's, oh, he's great. And so everyone liked him. So well, That's was a good bit smart. of advice for anyone who's listening whose kid is maybe about to go to a different get school. Get a skill. Yeah. Get, in fact, a gimmick. That you skill, need a gimmick. That exact skill. Yeah. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and as a result of that, there's probably now... 30 people <laughs> in the country go who, at my age going, here, here, look at this. <laughs> ah, that's horrible. Yeah, Michael Wilding taught me that. We interrupt this programme for an important announcement. Union Jack Radio plays six decades of the best of British music and lets you vote for it. <gasps> Download the Union Jack app or on the website and pick which song plays next. million votes and counting. Right, back to the programme. Sorry, Jeff. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, bringing you adrenaline-fuelled entertainment. Sounds like our wedding night. Well, let's, let's move into your teenage years or your secondary school, which was, you mentioned it before. Swanley School, yeah. Were you yeah. terrified of the, the change? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was big. I mean, it was a mile and a half from my house at the other end of Swanley. Uh, and again, it sort of gave me quite a few little routines and stuff. What was it? Was, was it about this. teachers? Yeah, I remember I had one where I go, this is the only job where you can bore someone and blame the person you've bored. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, boy, fool the what? No, if you've bored someone... It's your fault. It is the fault of the borer, not the boree. Yes. That's it. And I'd say, no, you can't do that in the theatre. You can't go, uh, uh, <laughs> so indeed, Ophelia, thou that hide the thither that indeed that... You! Fifth row down! <laughs> Sixth seat alone! Pay attention! Or you come back and watch the whole thing again tomorrow! Because <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> you hear sort of people now going... Oh, terrible. What a terrible disgrace at such and such a school. There was a teacher that shook a kid or something like that, and now the people have been called in and there's bloody paraphernalia and the governors have called in and it is all... And that is bad, but I think, ah, no. I mean, when I... And I, like I said, I wasn't bullied. I wasn't particularly picked on. It was just violent. Right. That was, it was all day long violence or the threat of violence for me. And I was fine. Upstairs from us, there was Caxton house block. I was in Beck, uh, Beckett. Caxton, had a, I witnessed and played this game. It's a, a card game, right? If you've ever come across this. A card game they invented called Beat Your Head In. What that involved, one of the yard kids would get a, 
pack of cards, right? Now, it's quite. if anyone listening wants to play, listen very carefully because it's complicated. A load of kids from the class would, you'd have no choice, you'd have to take part, would sit round, maybe 12 people sit round in a circle and then one kid, the dealer in the middle, had a pack of cards and one by one they would turn over the cards to each person in turn and whoever got the first jack, everyone else would beat their head in. <laughs> it's Russian I, I, roulette without a revolver. Yeah, and, uh, and, when, <laughs> and when I'm saying beat your head in, I'm not going, you know, uh, yeah, I'm talking about... <gasps> I'm talking James Kahn in The Godfather. It's <laughs> 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 horrendous. Oh, put your head in. Boof, boof, kick him. And that was, and then, and then, if it was your turn to have your head, oh god, they'd be beaten in. I lost him. Beat your head. It was just, and that was everywhere. And if the teacher saw it, come along. That's enough. Beat your head in. Come on, we've got classes to get to. You go and get <laughs> that's yourself. Beat go, your head go and get yourself washed up. You can't go into geography with all that with your bones hanging out. Come on. And uh, it was just. You know, people are just, you'd walk from one lesson to another and someone might come up and go, oh, he's still, you turn around, poof, <laughs> a dead leg. That was one of my first Oh, routines. dead leg, yeah, yeah. Dead leg, people just come up. Dead, and I said, I, you know, when I when I left school, I went, I, I was 15 when I started, left school, when I went to work, you know, and I, I thought, oh, the first day, I thought, this is, because you expect someone to come up and go, dead leg, my son. <laughs> Workplace. Mr. Wilson in accounts. <laughs> Dead leg, my son. Oh, Wilson. Was it? Um, was it? Was it a mixed comprehensive? Yeah. Who was the first girl who broke your tiny little heart? Oh, loads of them. I was useless with girls at school. Yeah. Useless. Yeah. The first um, girl I asked out was Kim Horwood. There was a party down at uh, Martin Busby's house, and it all got a bit wild. His parents were away. Kim Horwood, she was younger than me, she was a year younger, she was 14, I was 15, and um, uh, we had a snog on the settee, she was absolutely drunk, I, I could have been anything, I could have been just a pile of books, but she, would, <laughs> right, she would have snogged the pile of books. And that was your memorable first snog, oh, yeah. I wonder if she remembers it. Don't know, I hope so. But do you know what, I went, I cycled round her house, I found out where she lived, the next day I cycled round her house. And I knocked on the door and her mum, and I says, Kim there. And then Kim come down. I said, do you want to go out with me? So she must have remembered a little bit because she didn't go, ooh. She must have thought, oh, yeah, we had a snog on the sea. She said, I'll let you know on Monday. And on Monday, one of her mates came into Beckett House Block and come up to say, oh, Kim said she don't want to go out with you. No, but do you know what? I was thrilled because I thought, oh, she's gone to that trouble at least I was in the frame. She's not just ignored me, you know. No, she didn't just dismiss you out of hand. She took took the weekend to consider her options. Yeah. So I was actually really flattered. A bit like if you get a really, you know, a bit like someone who's trying to write a novel and they send it off and someone from Penguin writes back a really nice note yeah. saying it's not for us, but we do think you've got something, you know. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. felt like that to me, and I was actually really heartened by that. Easy. I wonder what age she went to prison. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, bringing you homegrown British comedy, drama and entertainment. Ding dong. What age did you start listening to, like, your records and and buying records from... I mean, would that be in Sidcup? Would that be in Bromley? Where would you go to buy records? Dartford. There was a record shop in Dartford. What was it called? Can't remember. By the time I was sort of 17 and working, 
I would then go every Friday when I got me wages, I would drive over to Dartford and I would buy a record. And then punk happened. So then there was just, and I remember bought, I bought the first Clash album from there. My mate Mick Buckingham, we used to listen to records all the time. He was ahead of me. He was always ahead of me. Bowie, he had the uh, heavy metal. He, he got it. You know, so there's Black purple. Sabbath. And- Black Sabbath, purple. But when heavy metal was tuneful, you know. You don't have the memory then of of the first trip to the record shop and nervously taking it to the counter. The, the uh, yes, yes. I well, I do remember that with punk. I mean, I bought quite a few records, and that was a big. And I, but Pink Floyd, those first Genesis albums, um, Foxtrot and Nursery Crime. But then, but also the myth of sort of nineteen seventies music being load of nonsense rubbish, and it was all about Emerson Lake, but it was ridiculous. Reggae and soul and Motown and all this astounding stuff that was going on, and all the jazz and Herbie Hancock, and it was, it was an extraordinary time for music. But then it? again, most and of funk. what would have been played on the radio would have just been the throwaway pop, like throw a tie a yellow ribbon round yeah, an yeah, old yeah, oak tree, and all, as it always all is, that you stuff, know, yeah. as it always is. I think that what happened with punk, and I. There's a million theories, and there's no reason why mine's any more accurate than anyone else's. But the the post-war sort of deal, if you like, there was a confident working class. Things are getting better all the time. Just every year, things are a little bit better off. People assumed that was going to carry on. Uh, Our kids are going to be better off than us. And then it all started to go wrong in the mid-70s. There was like the beginnings of high unemployment and so on, the crises. It's all gone wrong. And I think there was the older generation, it felt that they were blaming us. You lot, we fought a war for you, 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 the long hair and your, and all your bloody hippie things and ah, you don't, you know, and because the older generation were very, very, they didn't understand teenagers, if you like, did yeah. they? They'd missed that, as yeah, you yeah. said. And, and, uh, and I think we were very angry about uh, there was a great conflict. And so then instead of going, the boy was angry with us, it was like punk went, right, all right, you want to know how angry we are? Here you are, get this. Yeah. And then it's, and and that just seemed fantastic. And I remember getting the first Clash album, and I love the Pistols. I like the idea of the Pistols. But as an album, the first Clash album, I got that home, put the thing on. There's no way of hearing it before, and there's no YouTube or nothing, was there? And the first few bars of Janie Jones, it's a long hair, rock and roll, what? As soon as I heard that, I just thought, Oh, de- yeah, this is like le- legitimises all the anger I feel about Mr. Turton and being told to turn me records down all the time and older people go and bring back national service and you lot, you have your long hair and you don't appreciate and you're all filthy and scruffy and untidy and all of that anger I'd had up till till then, all of that, come. it was like going, yeah, all right, it's your right, it's your right to be angry. And me little chipboard speakers, it come bursting out of there... Turn it down, you know. And I thought I'm not gonna turn it down. This is my and that that changed me world. It was wonderful. What was getting out of Swanley like? Uh, well, I left as soon as I could. I was uh, 18, and uh, I had a mate who moved up to a squat in Crystal Palace. But I tried to make my place a little bit nice. I mean, <laughs> honestly, it was a dump. But I bet I bought a plant. Right, I actually bought a house plant one day. And I thought, there we are, I'm going to try and make it a little bit respectable. I went up the pub, I come back, the plant's gone. I said, what's happened to the plant? And my flatmate went, oh, we smoked it. (laughs) 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 That that was there. 
That was what you did. You just sort of, it's foliage. What possible reason is there for that? Other than for rolling it up and burning it and inhaling it. Uh, you're about to go out on tour at the moment. Well, I've started already, yeah. Yeah, it's um, 52 dates. I don't know where I'm going because... If you were to look at all of them at once, you'd go mad. So I just sort of, uh, I know I know. at some point I'll be going to Kettering, for example. Just check your own website. Oh, Kettering was great because um, uh, it's a shame I'm not doing doing this place this time. But the last time I did Kettering, the last two times I've done there, the, the main art centre is in a church run by this brilliant vicar who swears all the time. And uh, how much can I swear on this? We can bleep you. Okay, so... The, <laughs> So I went up with my son, actually. He was about 16 at the time, first time I went there. And this vicar just keeps going, oh, this fucking computer and the fucking all band round here. It's a right sh**. And he's all afternoon talking like that. And my lad's just finding it more and more funny, quite rightly. And then uh, eventually I said, do you know what, mate? I said, I can't lie. You are the sweariest vicar I've ever come across. He said, oh, tell me about it. He says, last week there was a church meeting. I got thrown out for calling someone a c- Oh, that's so good. And then during the the show, right, the show was lovely. It just sets up a great atmosphere. And at the end of the the show, it had gone really nicely, you know, and uh, I I told the story of the sweary vicar. So I said, so you've all just sat here laughing, but it's in the church. I'm going to burn in hell for all eternity. (laughs) That's the price I've had to pay just to entertain you. And then... The vicar who was at the back said, "It's worse for me. I fucked you." <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm desperate to go to one of his funerals now. <laughs> that's really, really something. Yeah. I did a tour of the Highlands, and one day I was in a place called Bruicladdick. So I had the car, and I was there, and it was so it's so remote. There was 50 people came to the, I think what was a scout hut, which is their main venue. Right. And they were delighted, like 50 people. Thus, nearly everybody's come to the police with. <laughs> it was a beautiful day, and there's just a little bit of harbour there. And I thought, I'm going to have a swim in that. There's no one about. What time of year? It was about sort of September, but it was really warm, you know. Yeah. It was it was lovely. And there was this goose just looking at me as I got in. I thought, is he going to give me trouble? Ah! As I got in there, am I in his territory or something? I got, I, I had me swim. I got back past the gooses. So I'm at the little trot, you know, away, away from him. I got back, and during the show, I said I went for a little swim. I said there was a, it was a goose there. Didn't like me, and they all went, "That's Gavin." <laughs> I said, "What? That's that's Gavin. Gavin the goose. We all know him." <laughs> And that's how remote it is that they... I mean, we're sat here in the Tottenham Court Road, right? Yeah. Who would you know in the floor below? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And they know a goose from eight miles away. It's that remote (laughs) that they are familiar with the names of each individual. Oh, yeah, Gavin, he's the aggressive goose. Not like Gary. He's all right. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One. For those who like their shows bigger, brighter and bolder. Sounds like our first wife. If you could go back and see yourself at any <laughs> age, just stand there as an observer at any age in your, um, in your upbringing in Swanley, what age would you like to see again? 
I'd probably be quite happy to see myself playing table tennis and that. And what about a building? If it was, if you got to go back inside one of those buildings as it was then? Oh yeah, no, that'd be fascinating. Downsview School, the junior school. Oh, I'd quite like to look at that. Go back to them days. That was that was brilliant fun. We spent all day walking around the villages near Kent. Got back again, and the next day got into school. And uh, Mr. Dawson, I think it was, called me in. Um, not here yesterday. Still, I've got a note. No, I'll go get one tomorrow. More so. Not well. What's the matter with you? Yeah, it weren't well. He said we tried ringing. Actually, I said, "Oh yeah, I heard the phone ringing. I was too ill, so I was in bed." Okay, I hope you get better. Thanks, sir. It's just one question still. Yeah. If you were so ill, why did I see you, Chris Young and Michael Buckingham, (laughs) walking through the streets of Alton Kirby on my... when I was driving home at dinner time? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. And you had no smart-ass thing to say to that. Nothing. I was stuffed. I was bankerite. Yeah. I'm going out to dry. <laughs> Mark Steele, thank you so much for taking us time travelling to Swanley. Thanks. Only on Union Jack. You're listening to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. And that's that, a trip down memory lane with the fantastic Mark Steele. Thanks so much for listening with your ears to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. The next episode is in two weeks' time, and it's going to feature someone even more punky, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols. Don't go anywhere, however, because coming up on Union Jack now is... Well, I haven't got a clue. That's the point. Union Jack lets you vote for every song that plays. Six decades of British music right there for you to pick. So grab the app and get voting for what plays next. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. We'll speak then, unless I bump into you in the meantime. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. Catch up on previous episodes and Series 1 now. Download the podcast on iTunes or your usual podcast place. Yeah.